Well, this is Javis Singh, a co-founder of FieldWire with another episode of From the Ground Up. Today, my co-founder and CEO, Yves Renault, is joining us. We're here with Patrick Pfeiffer, project manager of Encompass AV. Encompass AV is a cutting-edge AV and IT-focused technology company out of Chicago. And Patrick, thanks for joining us today. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. And thank you for staying late, especially as you started quite early this morning to join us for this podcast. I've been looking forward to it all day. So when we had uh, first talked, uh, you'd mentioned there's kind of two ways of explaining what you guys do. There's kind of the quick version, and then there's the version you would discuss over a beer. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you meant by that? Well, the version over a beer. Let's see. A typical conversation with somebody would, like I was telling you, Ray, would be, uh, you know, I'm in the construction business, and we leave it at that. But it's much more detailed than that. We're an AV IT company. So we do everything from, you know, structured cabling, network infrastructures, audio solutions, video networking solutions, basically EAV. We encompass the whole AV technology needs for our clients. I like it. Even getting the name right back in there is quite good. It's what we do. It's in the name. If you have any bandwidth, you can come uh, help us out on our uh, marketing side as well. We're trying to up our brand again. So I like that. That was solid. Yeah, we were looking into you know how you guys founded the company. I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about your founder, Tim, and the company culture. Tim Pickett graduated from Columbia College, majored in architectural acoustics. I don't know the year, but I know him and Mark Higgison, who is the vice president of the company. They've been in the business now for about 20 years. There were a couple different names of the company before it actually became Encompass. Encompass AV has actually been around for about five or six years now in the Chicagoland market. Just recently, we've been expanding to basically across the whole United States. And I mean, Tim and Mark, they are wonderful to work for every day. And I'm new to the AV industry basically the past two years. I've been in management for the past 15, 20 years, whether it's been in the auto industry, I've been in the optical industry, but working for Tim and Mark every day is a learning curve. I tend to learn something new. They're so client focused. They do what's in the best for the client. They know the business in and out. They're always looking ahead when it comes to technology, being on the forefront, being one step ahead of their competitors. And it's not just him and Mark. We have Nick, who's head of our sales. We have Emmett, who's head of our client relations. I have a procurement staff. I have a whole field team. It's really a whole team effort is what makes Encompass such a wonderful company to work for. Oh, it's great to hear. I heard you say that you guys are also expanding out nationally. Was that correct? We're trying to. Yes, sir. That's great to hear. I mean, I wish you guys were out here in San Francisco because right now we're a little challenged. We've outgrown our own office and we have a new one set up, but we actually can't get in for a couple more weeks because we're blocked on AV and IT needs standpoint. It'd be great if you get in here and help us out, but we'd love to hear, you know, as I think Encompass AV frequently comes in at the end of projects, what is it like trying to kind of close those things out for the last kind of three-week push? You know, how is, I guess, trying to close up projects at the very end? How does that work? It's hard. It's hard and it's stressful because, you know, as a carpenter, as a plumber, as an electrician, I mean, you come in, you rough in your work, you trim, you do what you got to do, and then you're out of there. And you move on to the next. AV is not like that. AV, you're there to stay. You need to progress, you know, with the future, with the technology. And I mean, usually when we're hanging TVs, we're doing expensive rack work, expensive speakers. You know, we want to come in after all trims, drywall, painting, when it's a dust-free zone, basically. And coordinating that with the client 
at that point when all the other trades pull out, you're really pressed for a deadline. You know, they want to turn over. They have their staff moving in. So that transitional period, that two, three weeks, and really that's what it is. Sometimes it's even sooner than that is all you got to make it count. That can be very, very challenging. Setting up, you know, you need to have our IT staff communicating with the client's IT staff to make sure the network is in place. You know, all these components that we're integrating into your new system are going to work. You know, proper training, proper commissioning as an end user, as a client, you need to be able to understand how all this new technology works. So all of these things need to happen in that last two, three week time period, which is really crunch time for us, the AV provider. Yeah, well, I appreciate your guys' focus on that because I think we're having some difficulty with ours. It's one of the major fiber installers. I think they just need to flip a switch, but they promised us they'll be there in the next eight weeks. They told you that they just need to flip a switch, but believe me, it's much more than that. <laughs> it's much more than that. I think I've used that term a few times. Like, I just got to flip a switch. You'll be all right. I like it. Yeah, well, our joke is like, I can't wait to also be a monopoly one day so that I can have an eight-week turnaround just to supposedly flip the switch. But yeah, I'll take your word for that. It's infinitely more complicated than that. That's a good segue in terms of what EV means, right? EV sometimes is a bit reductive because it feels like you guys are sound experts, video experts, and those are subjects that have so much depth to them. So how do you keep up? How do you stay on the forefront of the industry? And maybe you can give us examples of what you guys have done in the last few years to do that. Well, it boils down to client needs and basically the end user needs. We have to design a system that will meet the requirements of our clients. So it's not necessarily us coming in and telling our clients what we need because we could do that all day long. And at the end of the day, it's really what you want, what you want to see. How friendly and user friendly do you want this technology to be to your staff? I mean, really, that's what we strive for. So how do you deal sometimes with clients that don't have a clear vision or are actually expecting a lot more guidance? That actually happens quite often. You know, and we're talking about technology. This is ever changing. Technology is always changing. You know, software updates, firmware updates. At those particular points, you know, whether it's me, Tim, Mark, or our sales staff, we are very close. We take our client relationships very, very seriously. But we have to meet, and you typically we do, this is face-to-face, -face. we like to meet with our clients and talk to them about basically end-user needs, you know, how they expect this system to work. Not how we want it to work, but how they want it to work. And those types of meetings pop up very, very often. Like, for example, we're moving to our new office in a month. What would be the first five things you would ask us in terms of helping us figure out what our AV setup would be? Who's going to be using the system? What do they expect out of the system? When can they all, as a staff, be available for training? Those are the basics. It all boils down to, like I said, it's the end user. It's what you expect out of your system. And you tell us, and that's what we integrate. So one of the things that's big for us is we have a lot of dashboards and systems that are connected to our screens because we think it helps the team know where they stand at any point in time. It's motivating. When somebody does well, their face shows up on the screen. Have you done any setup of similar sophistication? Does that seem like level one? Or have you done insane setup that go way further? 
Absolutely, and it all depends on your platform too. I mean, if this is just like, oh, right now with one monitor and that's what your clients or your employees are viewing, we could do that. If you're integrating video throughout multiple rooms, multiple platforms, that's an option too. But then again, like I said, that's on you and what you want as a client. We can stream, we've done it many, many times, multiple rooms across locations, across states, across the country. You know, it all boils down to video bandwidth, audio quality, that the type of equipment that we use, a lot comes into play when we are designing these systems. Yeah, I can see even from our conversation here, you have this lovely setup where we're sticking one headphone and an ear in like a closet. So you guys definitely got the much better AV setup than we do in our office. And I mean, for example, too, we do, oh man, the things that we do for clients. So we're also a service company too. So it's key. So we've got, you know, hospitality, bars, restaurants to where, you know, it could be a major sports competition and a TV doesn't work or they got speakers go out in a certain zone. They call us. We have 24-7 service support. It basically it comes through the support line and it kicks out to the entire team. So if someone on the team usually responds within 15 minutes. That's the type of service that we have. And if we have to have a technician go out in the middle of the night, so be it. I mean, that's what we offer. That's what separates us from our competitors. And back to what I was saying, I've got four speakers in these tiles overhead that you can't see. There's been times that we've literally come in here, yank the speakers out of our office to bring it to a client on site because it's something that I don't stock in the warehouse. I mean, that's how serious we are. We take it very seriously. That's a good question. When you're doing both installation and service, how do you balance the workload so that you can be focused on the work when you're building it, but at the same time you're reactive for your client when, as you said, the TV's not working and you need to send somebody to help? That really boils down to my day-to-day as a project manager here at EAV. You know, I got a couple guys who are in school. So I've got about 10 guys who are full-time and then about two are part-time throughout the week. And when I do my scheduling, I usually leave about two of my full-timers who are my vetted full-timers who have been here a while who can handle the service calls kind of off to the side. So I run my regular business, my union jobs, my day-to-day projects as B, but then I have two basically on-call staffers just in case a service call does pop up. We have so many clients, or Tim and Mark have been doing this for so long in the Chicagoland area that I have service calls, normal service calls, every single day. So I have to have those guys to be able to respond within that 15 to a half an hour time frame. Most of them are in the Chicagoland area, and most of my vets are in the Chicagoland area. So my response time for us to keep our promise has got to be pretty quick. So is that one of the kind of more challenging balancing acts you have in a given day? It's crazy. It's crazy, man. <laughs> the amount of service calls that come through sometimes. I'll be checking an email. And by the time I'm done reading that email, I have three more emails, three service calls come through in like three or four minutes. So some days it's quiet. Other days it's just, it's a balancing act. But, you know, a lot of my guys are familiar with these systems. So they can walk into a place and before they're even on site, they could start playing the scenario over in their head of what's wrong. You know, AV, there's a lot of variables. There's a lot of troubleshooting. And if you can get the information that you can, as much as you can from the clients ahead of time, you could already have a solution to that problem by the time the tech arrives on site. And how long, I mean, uh, you're talking about your team being kind of experts in their craft. How long does it kind of take them to get to that point? It takes a long time. I've been here for about two and a half years. And I'll tell you what, we've hired a couple techs with industry standard certifications, you could say. And sometimes a piece of paper doesn't really mean anything. It's just a 
communication and they really can't speak to the volumes that my other technicians that have been with us three or four, five years, that can just start running the scenarios over in their head before they even get there. So the guys that I have working for me, that Tim has basically, Tim and Mark have groomed over the years. Solid team, solid team. It's awesome. Now I hear you with the pieces of the paper don't mean much. I probably won't get myself much credit for this, but as an MBA, I got to say, I've met some of the dumbest people who are MBAs and they're very proud of it, but it doesn't really necessarily translate to actually executing well day to day. So I feel you that one. I mean, I can relate that to hiring great people, which is almost our entire priority at this point with Javed. How do you approach that? Do you try to find people that are young and talented and you train them in-house? You try to find experienced people. You try to find a balance of both. How do you build great technicians? We do try to find experienced people. You know, we're a custom AV company. There is no two jobs that are alike. Every single job, every single design is different. And that's what separates us from a lot of our competitors. So our technicians, you know, me and like I said, Mark, we have a training program that actually we just started implementing. We've uh, cleaned out some areas in the back and we've built a training room. We've built a wooden frame and steel wall to where we can show our technicians, some of the newer guys, on how we properly mount speakers or how to properly mount a TV or integrate wall controllers, cut holes properly in walls. Because sometimes on a job site, you know, you've got trim that could cost millions of dollars and cutting a hole into that could be pretty nervous. It could be pretty wrecking. You know, so we bring the guys on site here and we haven't cut holes in all. We have them make mistakes, you know, so they feel more comfortable in the field. Now, of course, mistakes are always going to be made in the field, but we try to minimize that and do a lot of training in-house here. And I have four lead techs. They're my leaders, my foremen, basically, if you could say. And I bring in the lower tier of our talent matrix. And we've been trying to implement, like I said, trainings. We've been doing it on like a three-week rotation right now. Okay. And if I'm a young technician, I just started in the business, I want to end up at a company like in Compass AV, like where should I start? Where am I going to get that experience that's going to help me just get to those super custom projects, super high-end that you guys do? Well, there are a lot of AV installers in the Chicagoland area. We're known for our house music. Or the house music capital of the USA. So, I mean, there are clubs all over the place. You know, it seems like all these producers, DJs, event production people, you know, they're all infatuated with their sound system. So, I mean, if you wanted to get into the industry, very easy to do so. And then you kind of climb your ranks and see who's doing what. I was with a company called the AIS, Audio Integration Systems, before I came to EAV, and they were more of production. They did some installs, but more production. They did Lollapalooza, Chicago, Riot Fest. You know, so you could definitely get with companies like that. But when you want to get more into really design custom installations like nobody else is doing, that's when you take that step up. That's when someone would walk into our door and basically say, we want to work for you. We're highly recommended throughout the Chicagoland area. Question for you, total hypothetical. Let's say you are a uh, poor founder and your wife hates your college speaker set and wants you to get something that's quite good on a budget, totally hypothetical. What would you recommend for someone trying to get a good sound system for their house on the cheap? Uh, it depends on what the application is. Like I've got a crazy sound system at my house that I've built over the years. It's the Electro Voice. 
ridiculous. And it sounds system that the neighbors will call the cops, although they never have. I've got awesome neighbors. You know, when I came to AV, we use Martin Audio, which the quality of Martin, it speaks for itself. I never had really had a chance to get into Martin Audio acoustics until I came here. And the difference between, you know, there's these Boyd systems, there's these JBLs, these EVs, the difference is night and day with Martin Audio. Now, it's not necessarily a home application, but I mean, home stuff, I'm very happy with my Electro Voice speakers. Absolutely. And you can do it on a budget too. It goes up against QSC, JBL, all those name brands. But when we talk, you know, at EAV, I need to preach the Martin Audio gospel. I have to. I can't preach anything else. And I wouldn't want to preach anything else. I mean, it's that good. It's that step above all your other competitors. All right. I'll have to take a look at that then. I mean, hypothetically. Yes. Yes. Excellent. What got you into caring so much about that sound and sound quality in the first place? I'm starting to feel like this is a bit more of a religion right now. Well, I've always been very passionate. I mentioned house music, Chicago. I've been into house music, producing, DJing since I was 15 years old. I'm 38. So I've seen a lot. I've been a lot of places. And to end up actually where I'm at right now with EAV doing some of the sound system installs that we do, it's literally been a dream come true. Don't know how I landed this spot. Really don't know how I got here, but I'm here, you know, and I'm making the best of it. But throughout the years, I've always been, like I said, attached to the whole production, house music, techno, that whole thing. And with that, of course, comes large audio systems. You can't have one without the other. And ultimately, I think that's one of the things that wrote me into this position where I'm at now. Nice. You mentioned earlier that you guys work on anything from office buildings, hotels, restaurants. But it sounds like one of the cooler projects, at least in my opinion, was some of the renovation work at Wrigleyville. Is that correct? <laughs> Wrigleyville, yes. So when I first came on two years ago, it was literally during a boom for this company. And we had Hotel Zachary was probably the biggest in the area. Brick House, which is a local bar, Mordecai, probably three or four other places too, that just the whole Wrigleyville area was just booming at that time. And this company was contracted to do a lot of the audio systems for a lot of the places in that area. And it was quite the learning curve when I came aboard. And now I can tell you that, you know, there's times that I like to hang out, you know, on a weekend with my wife and kids and walk through the area in the summertime and they've got all their windows open and I can literally point out to my family what I or the company has helped design. And I take, you know, much pride and joy in walking around Wrigleyville, you know, on a Saturday night, just seeing the smiles on people's faces, the TVs, the bars packed, just knowing that we had a part of that. You know, it's really a sense of leadership that this company is able to provide something like that. That's very cool. Yeah, it's always impressive to see the finished product. And we do. And our guys, literally, we will walk around. And it's not just me. You know, our guys hang out downtown Wrigleyville, too. And we will wear our EAV hats and our shirts and our swag with pride downtown. And we get greeted. You know, hey, these are the guys with EAV. You know, sometimes it's like, yo, our TV's not working. You know, it is what it is. We got to deal with it. But most of the time, it's, hey, you know, they're giving us drinks. They're giving us food. They appreciate everything that we do for them. They know they can put in that phone call to service. And we'll be there. It's awesome. And I guess for the non-Chicago natives, can you explain a little about what Wrigleyville is? Wrigleyville is the home of the Chicago Cubs. You've got the Wrigley Stadium, and it's been built up so much over the past five years. There's been so much construction 
in that area. And it's a beautiful area. I am not a baseball fan. They're just not into it too much. But like I said, I do appreciate all the work because the Chicago Cubs, the Ricketts, they're a client of ours. You know, so we are working our way to get into that stadium. It'd be awesome if 2020, maybe 2020 is our year, 2021. That is a goal of Tim's for sure is to get inside that stadium. So what's your sport then? What's my sport? Hockey. I'm a hockey guy. If I were to put my son in anything, it'd be hockey. And keep in mind, this whole balancing act that I play, I have a beautiful wife, been married 14 years, and I have four children. So all this that I do, I've got to play the balancing act here, and then I do the balancing act at home too. So One more kid and you can you have a team on the ice, huh? <laughs> you got it. <laughs> awesome. You know, besides being famous for his deep dish pizza and cold winters in Chicago, it sounds like it's a pretty big union city as well. You know, love to hear kind of your take on sometimes working on union-specific projects. So when you say deep dish pizza, Luminati's is a client of ours. All of the carry-out locations, we do all of their new restaurants. There's a new one in Brookfield, which is north of here, which is going to be opening soon, which is a new project of ours. We're going to be doing a site visit next week. But Luminati's is one of our biggest clients here in Chicago. Proud of it. I mean, I guess you got to get called for a service uh, call somewhere. That's probably not the worst location to end up. No, it's not at all. <laughs> When it comes to the unions, unions are tricky uh, here in Chicago. You've got to abide by every single thing that they say. There's a chain of command, and you can't break that chain of command. You know, it's strictly six in the morning. I mean, sometimes even four in the morning, depending on you know the subcontractor, to two in the afternoon. And, you know, you're talking... Proper PPE, which is required on every single job site. But I mean, they really, really dial it in to a T. And when it comes to effective scheduling, you know, when we sub out union labor, you know, we obviously have our foreman or our project manager on site. But union labor is kind of expensive a tad bit here in Chicago. So, you know, the way that I monitor these projects is essentially through field wire. You know, I do a lot of tasking on my field wire projects because like I said, the unions are very expensive. So I need to make sure that certain things are getting done accordingly every single day so I can manage these projects, budget these projects, and ultimately make sure that we are profitable on these projects. Our margins on our union labor are a lot different than our in-house labor. A little tighter, I guess? Much tighter, much tighter. And there's much more that could go wrong. How tightly do you run the job sites day to day. Do you have a sense of whether you've made or lost money on a site at the end of the day and like whether you're making schedule or not? If it's a small install and it's a one to two day job, absolutely, I can gauge that. And that's my job. That's my position. That's what I do. Ultimately, I want to make sure I'm profitable and I'm squeezing some type of profit out of each job. Now, the ongoing projects, the big buildings, the infrastructures, these union sites, which are you know six months to a year, Those I have to manage much more tightly, and it's really hard to gauge whether I'm being profitable at certain points in the job. There's a lot of things that I have to focus on, a lot of allied trades when it comes to electricians, plumbing, HVAC, things like that, that could get in our way or prevent us from moving forward at a certain point in the job, which has to be managed. For instance, You know, these union guys, if I send them to a job site, I'm getting billed for eight hours. It doesn't even matter if they're there for an hour. They bill me for eight hours. 
if I get to a job site and they're doing some flooring in an area that I need to be working at, automatically the union guys are walking in. They're billing me for eight hours, but they can't do any work at all. That's a lot of money that we just threw it away. So coordinating with these allied trades to make sure that it's okay for my guys to come in is so critical, so critical. Allied trades is a concept we don't talk enough about, which is how you can help the other trades be profitable and they can help you make a number as well. And so if you had one advice to kind of close this up on how to work better with the other trades, what would it be? Communication. Communication, communication, communication. That is key on any job site, any project. You've got to know who you're dealing with. You've got to know their lines of communication. Are they a phone call guy? Are they an email guy? Are they a face-to-face guy? I'm an email guy personally. I deal with so much day-to-day to where if I get on a phone with someone, it may go in one ear and out the other. I need that email or that text that I can look back and I can reference. That's just me. Other people operate differently but it really does boil down to communication. I do a lot of that through Fieldwire. I have to. You know, Fieldwire does half of my job for me sometimes. You know, the RFI that I would send out to an entire construction team, drawing set updates, change orders. I just, I'll send it out and let it run its course. And then come in the next morning at five, six in the morning and see who responds. You know, instead of tracking down every single contractor on site and trying to call them or email them or text them, it's such a useful tool. I'm happy to hear we can help. I appreciate the plug as well. One last question for you, because we spoke to another Chicago-based contractor that we work with, Bear Construction, and our final hard-hitting question was, do you go with a deep dish pizza or kind of more a New York-style, I guess, thin crust? What's the preference? Deep dish. If Luminati would see this and I would say something else, <laughs> I'd be hung. Absolutely, deep dish. All right, no hesitation. I like it. Just I figured if you weren't a Cubbies fan and you went with the New York style pizza, what you were doing in Chicago at that point. But all right, at least one out of two. Yeah. 100%. Appreciate it. Well, Patrick, I appreciate you spending this time with us. I know it's late your time. Talk to us a little bit more about what you do on a daily basis. Much appreciated. And until we speak again, please tell Marcus said hi. And thanks again. Thank you very much for having me. You all have a great day. I hope to talk soon.